the reason people buy bonds is to balance out exactly what happened with Tesla stock. They they might buy they might own a few Tesla shares in their equity portfolio, but they want a certain amount of their portfolio to just be guaranteed. I don't, you know, if I turn on CNBC and I see the stock market just went down a thousand, right. you know, it, it doesn't make my blood pressure go up because uh-huh. I know I have a certain amount of my investments in bonds and I'm just collecting the interest on those and I'm going to get my principal back. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what happened with the stock market. A certain portion of my savings is, you know, in high quality investments that I don't have to worry about. Welcome to Money Vision U. In this podcast, we are passionate about teaching the financial class you should have had in high school so you can learn how to fast track your financial freedom. If you want to learn how to make, manage, and multiply your money and see opportunities the way the wealthy do, then you came to the right place. I'm your host, Stuart Berryhill. Money Vision U, class in session. Let me see if I got this right. So I can go buy Walmart stock or I can get involved in a Walmart bond. Someone who who is loaning money to Walmart? What are they taking the loan for? Things like that. Give give me a little bit of insight into there as an investor. If I was to invest in like a Walmart bond, what what does that even look like? How is that transaction happening? Just kind of the, the one, two, three uh, to that. It happens the exact same way. It would happen if you were, you know, on a Schwab website and you're saying, I want to go buy 100 shares of, you know, Walmart stock and whatever it's trading at, you know, $125 a share. They charge you 18 bucks to do the trade or whatever. Mm -hmm. In the same exact fashion, you know, you would click on corporate bonds that are available. You type in the company that you're looking for. And it doesn't even matter, Stuart, like if, if Walmart is not issuing a bond today or tomorrow, that doesn't even matter because, again, they have all these corporate bonds that they've issued in the last couple of years that people like us are making a secondary market in because there's always somebody out there willing to sell that particular bond at some price before maturity. And, and, and they might be just selling it because they need to raise cash. They had a family member that passed away. They're trying to do something else with the money. But, but those are available. And you can kind of look and see you know, okay, here are the Walmart bonds that are available. You know, what is the, which one has the highest rate of the return that mm-hmm. I might be in? What's, what's the time period? I mean, that's a, in the investment world, you know, the, the, the key things that you really have to, uh, to think about are your time horizon and mm-hmm. then your rate of return over time. Okay. Mm-hmm. So like I, myself, since I'm in the bond business, you know, I really don't care how long a bond is until it matures. I just want the highest rate of interest possible. Now, other people might say, you know, I don't want to loan somebody money for 40 years and hope at the end of that period of right. time, they, I, was, I just want to make a loan for three years and get the yeah. best return I can. And, and those people buy CDs. You know, they you go down to your local bank and a bank issues a CD for 4% or four and a quarter. And you know, those are guaranteed up to 250000 So there's no way you can lose money on that. You know, yeah. you get 
guaranteed return, even if the bank goes down, it's guaranteed by FDIC. So, um, so yeah, I mean, that's uh, all of that is easily accessible, you know, on websites. Yeah. So CD is certificate of deposit for listeners. And so you can go to a bank basically and say, Hey, I'll give you my money for a year. They're hold, they will hold it, but they will give you a certain percentage as return for holding it, but you won't get, say, give them $10,000 and they're giving you 4%. You won't get that $10,000 back until if it's 12 months, you know, 12 months. And that is wow. technically a bond. That's an IOU. It's the bond between you and you become the lender to the bank essentially. And then they go, well, I guess they go lend that money out. Um, and then there's a lot so, of stuff, I guess you can get into with that, but that's for another episode, I guess. About it this way. I mean, I mean, a lot of people don't even understand Stuart how banks make money. So they pay their depositors short-term depositors, like a four, four and a quarter, four and a half percent rate for a short period of time, one, two, three, five years. Mm-hmm. And then they will own that money out at a higher rate, either 30-year mortgages, car loans, business loans, whatever. And then think about it, the bank makes the spread between the two. So if I'm paying you 4% on your 10,000 for one year, then I go try to find a three to five-year business loan that I can charge somebody five or five and a half or 6%. Mm-hmm. And then I'm, and if I'm the bank, I make the difference in those two. And they literally move money all day long, every day. Yeah. yeah. Just a lot of moving money. Uh, yeah. yeah. Super interesting. And then uh, shoot the fractional reserve. I, just real quick. So basically also with that, is it, is it basic? Tell me if this is accurate. If a bank gets, you know, $10 given to them or loan, I don't know if it'd be a loan to them or something like that, but maybe they got people with checking accounts or things like that for every $10 they can, or I, I should say it this way for every $1, they can um, go loan out 10 more. So they can actually loan more than they actually have li- you know, liquid yeah, in their bank. Called, is that that's accurate? That's called leverage. And, and leverage is when you can either borrow or loan a multiple of the, the actual capital assets that you have. And that all works well when everything is going good, uh-huh. but when things turn sour uh, leverage is a really, really ugly word. And so, uh-huh. yeah, you're exactly right. And that's that's what happened to a lot of investment firms, you know, back in 2008, because they were, you know, they, they were capitalized on a certain base. And then they're out there buying all these um, crazy investments. And then when all those investments at one time turn sour, well, then your capital's wiped out. It's over. The game's over. So, yeah. You're right. Leverage leverage can be a good thing for people that know what they're doing as markets yeah. are bad. You got over leveraged, essentially. Oh, yeah. Now, let me get back into this, though. Just talking about how you can go on Charles Schwab and you can see all the different, you know, if you're buying a Walmart bond or Arkansas municipal bond, whatever it is, you can go see the list of the bonds that they offer. Would you not just take the highest percentage, you know, interest rate yielding bond like if there's a six percent walmart you know interest rate yielding bond and then there's a five and a half percent yielding bond why wouldn't you just always take the highest interest rate one or is that uh, uh, what am i missing there well remember it's going to be based on a period of time and so uh, Mm. you know six percent bond might be 40 years and the five and a half percent bond might be you know 12 years so you know so some people might say um you know well if I can get five and a half percent for 12 years, you know, I don't want to loan my money to Walmart for that long. Uh, so I'll just take the five and a half. So, I mean, again, that's kind of the push and pull of the bond market. I mean, 
you know, it, under normal circumstances, the longer that you will loan some money, somebody an amount of money, the higher your interest rate will be. And mm-hmm. the shorter the period of time, the lower your interest rate will be. Just so because, yeah. Yeah. Safer yeah. versus not as safe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cause, there, cause obviously there's more risk involved with the longer term investment. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, someone, I mean, that would be the nor- the typical difference when you were assessing, you know, bond yields on a Schwab account or TD Ameritrade or whatever, you're just trying to determine, you know, what would be the best one, you know, uh, typically they would be based on the time period. The shorter time period would be a lower interest rate. The longer time period would be a higher interest rate. But, you know, bear in mind, that means that you're not going to get your principal uh, amount back until that time period is over, uh, unless, you know, you might want to sell it in the meantime, but then again, that goes back to interest rate risk. If interest rates mm-hmm. go up, then that buy, that bond might be worth less than what you originally purchased for, and vice versa. If interest rates have gone down in the meantime, you know, you might be able to sell that bond at a profit, which mm-hmm. some people do. So. so, well, I guess could you get in a six percent bond that maybe it's a forty-year loan compared to a five and a half percent bond that's a you know thirty-year loan, but then you can. Can you get out whenever you want? Like, say you're in there three years. Can you get out whenever you want? Or do you have to lock it in for a certain amount of time? And if you don't lock it in for a certain amount of time, there's kind of a penalty for getting out of it. Well, that goes right back to what I was saying about interest rate risk. So with most bonds, uh, you can get in and out of them anytime you want. That That's our role. That's what I was telling you earlier about a secondary market brokerage firm that we're working with people all day long that are getting out of bonds early and we are selling those bonds all day long to people that are wanting to buy bonds that were issued several years ago that somebody sold out of. Um, you know, again, though, you do have interest rate risk. So for example, I'll give, I'll give you, a, here's a really good example. Like, so last year, 2022, with the Federal Reserve bumping rates dramatically, anybody that bought bonds in the last couple of years would have a substantial loss mm-hmm. in those bonds in the principal amount because interest rates went from again three four five you know to six seven eight and so now they're holding something that's paying an interest rate that's much lower than where the current environment is so we had a lot of people towards the end of 2022 you know selling those bonds to create a tax loss uh, you know for their portfolio so like for example you know you got yeah. some some portion of your portfolio that's invested in stocks, if it did well, if you made, you know, 10, 12% during the year, and then you have like a bond that lost money, you know, you might want to sell that and offset. And so, yes, I mean, uh, all of the, back to your original question, you know, you could buy the 10 year, buy the 20 year, buy the 30 year bond. If you need the money back in a year, certainly, yes, you can sell that. We make a secondary market that stuff, but you are subject to interest rate risk. And so if rates go up, your bond's going to be worth less than what you pay for it. Rates go down, there's a chance it could be worth more. So yeah. that's the way it works. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 just a different way, I guess, of analyzing risk. You know, with the stock market, you're just trying, you're not trying to time the market, but if you're in when it's high and it the stock goes down, the value of that business essentially goes down, you lose money. And if it goes up, you make money. And it's the same thing, you know, with bonds, you're really your gains or your losses is based off the interest rates that are happening in the market. And so, you know, what the fed is doing with the rate hikes this last year has been, 
I, you know, obviously extremely valuable uh, or important to watch in the bond world. Um, because essentially, as these interest rates have been going up, which I, I don't know what the Fed rate is right now, but as they go up, your yields on your bonds have gone up. So if you got in bonds, so I guess if I knew more about bonds, you know, personally, a couple of years ago, and I saw interest rates where they were, which was like, I guess it was like minimal, you know, it had, I don't know if it had ever been so low. A lot of bond investors are probably like, yeah, it's probably a good time. Like, it's almost like buying low, buying the dip. Uh, and knowing that, not knowing, there's no certainties, only probabilities. I guess, assuming that the interest rates were going to have to jump back up. And so that's kind of a macro macroeconomic type of thing. But that's kind of what buying low would be in the bond world is paying attention to the Fed rate and seeing that it's low and understanding, okay, it's probably a good time to buy. It's maybe not 100% guarantee, but it's probably a good time to buy. Well, what you're, what most bond investors were doing, honestly, Stuart, for the last couple of years, when interest rates are rock bottom, you know, um, they were just buying the shortest possible bonds that they could get. And even though the yields were basically next to nothing, like you're saying, they had in their mind at some point rates are going to be higher. And, and basically saying we want to buy bonds at better interest rate levels than what we're getting now. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that's, Again, that's what most bond investors, that, that is uh, their plan when they buy a bond. Most people do not buy a bond and then think, okay, this thing matures in 10 years. I'm going to be getting interest payments twice a year for 10 years. You know, in three years, if interest rates go down, I'm going to be looking to sell this bond at a profit. Most people do not think that. Right. Most, most bond investors are like, I'm willing to loan this money for a fixed interest rate a period of time. Gotcha. And then in 10 years, when I get my money back, I'm going to go do that again. Okay. So okay. The, the people that are selling early is usually because of some unusual situation. Kind of like I described to you earlier, you know, all of a sudden they need the money or they have a, you know, death in the family or they want to go invest in something else. Or So, so I, I would, I would venture to say most people that invest in bonds, probably 75%, maybe even higher they just hold the bonds to maturity and okay. collect years, and they can care less what interest rates do. They really, yeah. they don't know, they don't care if they go up or down. They're just going to reinvest that money whenever they get the principal amount back. That's that's okay. kind of the bond market in a nutshell. This this other stuff that we've been talking about, interest rate risk, selling early, that kind of thing is um, you know is for more sophisticated investors. Honestly, you know yeah. and. and that stuff that doesn't happen, you know, to most bond investors, most yeah. bond investors buy the bonds, they collect the interest, they hold them to maturity. So, okay. Yeah. I it can, it's the main play is really just to be a safe play of you're you've locked in this interest rate that you're getting. So if you're investing in Tesla stock, you don't know if you're going to have a 10% gain or a 10% loss or more or less. But if you invest in a bond, you're like, I'm getting five and a half percent if you invest in something like that. And so that it's just kind of a locked in easy play. That is the exact perfect way to describe it. It is. I mean, Tesla stock, you know, what, a couple of years ago, $370 a share. Now it's 130 So, mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. So if you bought Tesla stock a couple of years ago, you've gotten killed. Okay. And yeah. then the reason people buy bonds is to balance out exactly what happened with Tesla stock. They, they might buy, they might own a 
few Tesla shares in their equity portfolio, but they want a certain amount of their portfolio to just be guaranteed. I don't, you know, if I turn on CNBC and I see the stock market just went down a thousand, right. you know, it, it doesn't make my blood pressure go up because uh -huh. I know I have a certain amount of my investments in bonds and I'm just collecting the interest on those and I'm going to get my principal back. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what happened with the stock market. A certain portion of my savings is, you know, in high quality investments that I don't have to worry about. Yeah. So pros, pros of being in the bond market. And first of all, it'd be in the paper asset class for listeners. So you, it's very liquid. So you can get in and out, things like that. But really, it's just very low risk because you are choosing what, you know, yield you are getting. And the Fed rate doesn't change what yield you're getting. If the Fed rate goes up or down, that doesn't change anything that you're getting. If you got five and a half percent locked in, that's what you got as the lender. Same thing as a borrower. You know, I got called 3% interest rate on my house um, for my mortgage. Well, if the Fed rate goes up or down, that doesn't change my interest rate. It's still 3%. That's what I've locked in for 30 years. And I like what you're saying. It's just very low maintenance. You don't have to worry about anything going on in, um, you know, the economy, things like that. Whatever the Fed rate does, you've got your thing locked in. That's kind of the same for me with real estate. I don't really care how much, you know, obviously I want the price of properties to continue to go up, but I understand that there's ups and downs. All I really care about is the cash flow. I want to make sure it's cash flowing because then, you know, I can wait if I want to, um, to sell it when asset prices or in, in the real estate world go back up because that is more likely. It's not a certainty. It's a, maybe a probability, but um, I'm buying for cash flow. So I don't really care. You know, it doesn't bother me that, yeah, prices on properties are, are dropping right now. I'm still getting the same cash flow because I got my interest rate locked in. And then it's all about just making money with the property and lowering the expenses for the property and whatever you net is whatever you net as your cash flow. So um, I, I, that all makes sense. I've learned. So I, I hope the listeners have learned as much as I have this episode because it's super interesting. Don't know near enough about bonds. But now just um, this this episode is uh, hopefully helped the listeners as much as it helped, has helped me. And I know the treasury world is something I want to get into in the future. And we're definitely going to have to have you back on to talk about that because there's a lot of macroeconomic things to study historically. I know going with what the U.S. Treasury is at and where, you know, comparatively to the, the Fed rate and things like that. But yeah, I mean, it's been an awesome episode here having you on talking about bonds. Any final advice, you know, you might have to our listeners before logging off here? Well, uh, the last thing that I would just throw in there is uh, your listeners need to um, uh, explore uh, tax exempt municipal bonds. I mean, mm -hmm. really, that is, um, you know, one area of the bond market where we have expertise and like a lot of individual investors like, um, you know, you and me, what we might prefer over a Walmart bond or a treasury bond or whatever is, is a bond that is that goes uh, typically for kind of a local source and then and then all the interest that you get is tax exempt so you know people love tax-free muni bonds because you know if you buy a treasury bond you buy a walmart bond at the end of the year you know your w-2 or whatever w-4 shows how much interest you earn then you have to pay a certain amount of that to the government etc mm -hmm. like you do on any other investments but tax-free munis whatever interest you earn during the year None of that goes back to the government. And so people love buying tax-free bonds. And then again, like the example that I mentioned earlier, 
you know, oftentimes, you know, the money that you're loaning as an investor might go to help a local municipality. So I, I gave the example of like, you know, Little Rock sewer bonds or whatever. So if, mm-hmm. if you purchase one of those as an investor, I mean, you're making an investment in like your own community. They're using that money to help the roads, help the sewers and all that. Right. And they're paying tax-free interest to you over that period of time. And so we love munis. We think that it's one of the very few you know, asset classes in the entire investment world that are completely tax-free. And so, I, I mean, you can imagine wealthy people love buying munis because yeah. they, pay, they pay taxes, you know, sometimes 40, 50% on all of the investments that they make. So munis are one of the few, you know, areas where they can buy something and, and the money that they earn off of those is tax-free. So I would definitely, uh, again, you know, you can get on Schwab, get on TD Ameritrade, you can call me. You know, we're doing new new Arkansas mini bond issues all the time. Uh, but educate yourself, you know, on those. And, and, and in particular, Stuart, like anybody that's a young professional that's going to be making over six figure, figures over a period of time, you know, uh, they need to they need to look at you know, like a municipal bond yeah. return what that looks like compared to a taxable bond because yeah. you know, obviously as your as your income goes up your tax bracket goes up so i would definitely encourage your listeners to take a look at munis yeah that's a good point on something i forgot about because i mean if you say an investor gets 12 percent return on something but they have to you know be taxed 50 percent or whatever it is why not just go get into i guess like an arkansas municipal bond or a muni i like that i like the the lingo oh, no. Well, using your example, think about it this way, Stuart. So if you get a 12% bond and you have to pay 50% in state and local and federal taxes, so you're actually only earning six. So if you can get a tax-free bond at six and a half or seven, you know, then it doesn't, it's not rocket science to figure out which one you should buy, right? I mean, you're getting a better return on the muni bond. And, And that's what we do all day long is encourage investors to compare the difference between taxable bond yields, tax mm. exempt, and and I promise you, they end up buying munis. They do. They end up okay. buying munis. Yeah, uh, I mean, totally makes sense. It, it, do municipal bonds get that high, six and a half percent around that area? Well, yeah, we wish. I mean, you know, right now they're around four percent. The longest ones are around four percent. So okay. and there's a there's an insatiable demand for muni bonds. So sometimes, mm-hmm. even as interest rates are going up. It really doesn't affect the municipal bond market because so many people want to buy them. But but still, you know, your return is fantastic compared to, you know, other taxable investments that you could make and, you know, uh, risk profile and that type of thing. Well, shoot, this has 100% fit into the tagline of the financial class you should have had in high school because I can guarantee you everyone wishes they knew more about one bonds, treasuries, but then municipal tax-free, things like that. Super interesting. Definitely something to get involved in and explore. And yeah, just to kind of close out here, how can listeners reach out? The easiest way is uh, is email me. Uh, my email address at work is rgreer at cruisefs, which is firstsecurity.com. And um, I look at my emails very, very closely every day. So if somebody you know, uh, wants to ask me a question or something like that, just shoot me an email. I'll be happy to respond to it. Perfect. Well, sounds good. Thank you very much for coming on. And we're definitely going to have to have you on in the future talking about treasuries and all the other things macroeconomic that I'm sure you have great perspective on. Okay. Well, thanks so much, Stuart. I sure enjoyed it. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Money Vision U. If this is something that added value to you, then please subscribe, leave a review, and share. We are passionate about teaching financial literacy so you can learn to take control of your financial future. If you want to learn more, then follow us on social media platforms at MoneyVisionU. We look forward to catching you in the next class.